And thank you, everyone, who has sent pet pictures. We love all of them. We hope you feed them lots of treats. Yes, lots of treats, extra pets. Emma would want extra, extra treats from her. To try to make them like her more than me, so... Well, it works. Make sure you do that. So... (laughs) (laughs) Let them know that the treats are specifically from Emma. Welcome back to another episode of Is Fitz Happy? I'm Luke. And I'm Emma. And this week we are discussing part two of chapter 29. We're going to pick up right where we left off, where Fitz and the Fool were talking a little bit on the side of the road, taking a break, and they start to travel on towards the camp. They get to the spot where they're pitching tents, resting for the night. He shows Kettle the solution to the puzzle, and she immediately starts to set out a new puzzle in which he says, you know, I I don't think I'll need that. I'm looking forward to truly sleeping because Fitz is in a better mood. He, He and the fool kind of had that shift of perspective of things are where they are now. Stop thinking of the past and just think of solutions for the here and now. Right. So he's he's feeling a little bit more uplifted, a little bit more optimistic. And Kettle's like, no. No, no, you need this. Mm-hmm. You are one against three, and those three a coterie. She observed more gently after she said, Well, if you're looking forward to sleeping, you shouldn't be looking forward to walking ever again, because, you know, there's a coterie coming after you. If Regal's brothers could skill, he likely has some ability, and with the aid of the others, he could learn to lend his strength to them. You know, it is possible to kill with the skill. Would he wish to do less than that to you? And Fitz is like, well, I I sleep off the road. It's fine. And she's like, that doesn't matter. It's distracting both the arrow that's the coterie and you. It can still, like, get to you. Right. That's not going to make you more safe once you're off of it. Right. But also, the comment that she made that Regal could potentially give his strength to his coterie Number one, obviously not the truth because Regal would never give anything to anybody. Right. Yes. Um, but she doesn't know that. <laughs> but also, pretty close to what is happening, he's stealing the strength of his coterie members, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, he not necessarily stealing, but using in the moment. Right. It it's almost like a reverse Kingsman. Yeah. Where he he can't touch the skill without somebody else there. But instead of letting them use it through him, he's taking the reins and controlling. Yep. Which is really interesting. And I wonder, it makes me wonder if it wouldn't, if it would be possible for him to do that if there wasn't a skill command in place for them to be loyal to Regal, which we are all fairly certain that is in place. Don't know, because this isn't something that I don't think Kettle even knows about. Right. How this works. This is kind of like a new new thing found out so who knows yeah i don't know it just is really interesting because otherwise i think it would be really hard even with someone who is regular willing to help their king in any way i think it would be really hard to fully give your will over to somebody like that right unless you literally had no choice yeah Yeah. (laughs) your body cannot fight against it so yeah i don't know 
those are just some thoughts I had when she mentioned that he'd be lending his strength to them because I thought it was a little bit funny. (laughs) So Fitz diligently studies the next puzzle in the game cloth and actually gets a restful night of sleep. He says specifically, I felt almost as if I had rested, which is a new (laughs) feeling to him. Just thinking about uh, all the conversations we've had about how stressful he, he like his life has been and how on edge he has been forever. It has been a year since he died. Yeah. He had what? Three, four, five months maybe of like recovering and being an animal. Yeah. And then the rest of it was like one month of planning to kill somebody for revenge. And then the rest of it was I need to not get a good night's sleep because I'm going to guard my mind and be on edge for the rest of these six months straight. Right. On the edge of death like three times. (laughs) (laughs) Ooh, that would age somebody fast. Yeah. And I mean, he's been basically walking across country. So he hasn't really had an opportunity to get a bed to have a better night's sleep even without worry about the coterie stealing into his mind. Yeah. And before this, he was having horrible nightmares anytime he closed his eyes for months. Yeah. So even if he did have a bed, it wouldn't matter because he wasn't it, restful anyways. Yeah. Ugh, poor Fitz. So he just needs some sleep. Yeah. So, the, so this night he almost feels like he got a good night's of sleep and that's the first time in a while. Yeah. It's a little bit warmer here. They're on the other side of the mountain Starling makes a comment that they have walked from winter to spring. The fool (laughs) makes a disparaging comment against minstrels that they exaggerate everything. But uh, everything, everyone seems to be in a slightly better mood just because of the weather, to be honest. Right. Night Eyes comes in to the tent with a dead rabbit to share. And it seems to startle the fool and he asks, is he offering to share that? To which Fitz and Night Eyes have a little bit of a conversation where Night Eyes says that uh, calls the fool little brother, which hurts Fitz's feelings. <laughs> and Night Eyes responds by saying, you know, like, you could have come with me this morning. You decided to lie in bed all dawn. Fitz apologizes for how bad of a companion he's been for how distant he's been yeah and and night eyes says you know what we're packed now so i get that there are other duties that need to be done yeah it's no longer just us two yes this is all of a pack and i think that also kind of explains a little bit of him reaching out to ketrakin because if this is a pack and she has a possibility to maybe understand a little bit of what he's saying Mm -hmm. that's his only other communication right he's gonna do that as much as possible (laughs) right and it's someone to lean on besides Fitz if Fitz is being distant or cannot respond or be a companion that he wants to be yeah and he Fitz tells Night Eyes that he wants to hunt with him tonight and Night Eyes says that the fool can come too Mm mm-hmm the scentless one, as he calls him. He says he could be a good hunter if he did he try, for his scent could never give him away. And Fitz tells the fool, he not only offers to share meat, 
he invites you to hunt with us this evening. And the fool's very grave in his response to Night Eyes and says, I would be honored, even though Fitz is surprised at that because he never showed interest in hunting before. Right. I think it's not the hunting that yeah, is what's drawing no, the it's, <laughs> it's like, oh, this is clearly like... It's an invitation. It's an accept, acceptance of some sort. Yeah. yeah. This is like a big deal to a wolf. Mm-hmm. And he recognizes that. And I think it's really cute that he's like, oh, I want to be on the wolf's good side. So <laughs> Who wouldn't? Fair. I he's mean, already on the good side. He scratches his belly and behind his ears. True. <laughs> and gives him a little bit of his food. It's, Yeah. They're good friends. (laughs) They continue on the journey. Fitz says that odd thoughts keep popping into his head all day. And he's trying to, again, trying to distract his mind from thinking of Molly and Buckkeep and anything in that general direction. But it's hard to. Right. He also does make a one-off comment that Night Eyes is basically galloping back and forth from the front to the back to keep an eye out. I just thought that was really funny. (laughs) All of us seemed infected with the relief of warmer weather. (laughs) (laughs) He's got the zoomies going back and forth. He doesn't have to run through snow anymore. (laughs) Yeah. And the hunting is better. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. So I kind of want to make note of this and get your thoughts on it. He says, odd thoughts popped into my head all day. I could not see a flower bud without wondering if Molly would have used it for scent or color in her work. I found myself wondering if Birik was as good with a wood axe as he was with a battle axe, and if it would be enough to save them. If Regal knew of them, he would send soldiers after them. Could he know of them without knowing exactly where they were? And I... I want to know if you think this is just Fitz or if this is the Coterie trying to pry for information. I think it's related to the Coterie. That, that was my first thought, too, but it's it's really hard to tell because those thoughts could definitely lead to that information, right? right? Definitely. And then we get an interruption by Kettle to stop those thoughts. Right. Which seems very well-timed. So it's it's really hard to tell. And you would only be able to really tell it on a reread. But it's the kind of detail I like trying to (laughs) see if it's part of it. I don't know. So my thought in that the reasoning behind me thinking that it's skill based is because before this mention, Fitz is very afraid and worried for them. And not once has he thought of a single detail, except for the time when he was in the skill I mean, whenever he's on the skill road and was like pulled to them before he knew to guard himself. And then whenever he willfully pushes himself through the skill to them. But otherwise, he doesn't think about Molly at all. He's really good at not thinking about her, at least in any way that's mentioned in the narration until now. And I think that that's such a striking thing that... To me, that feels like it has to be because of some prying. Yeah. Yeah. And even if it's not like I I wonder if it would be something as subtle as like just miss your loved ones Mm -hmm. or like doesn't that remind you of a loved one? Because I don't think they know that Bjork is with Molly. Right. I don't think they know that she's like being protected in any capacity. So I don't think that they would have told him to think about Bjork. But it just 
comes from his natural worry. Yeah. Of like, doesn't that flower remind you of Molly? Uh-huh. Like, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know. I Maybe it's nothing, but everything is something. Right. <laughs> so Kettle reprimands him a little bit, tells him to think about the game. And Fitz is wondering, oh, why, why are you back here anyways? And she says, we've come to another pillar, another like resting area. We want to make sure Ketrikin knows what's up before we move on. Right. So they get to this area and there is a ornamental stonework on the side of the road that Starling is sitting on. It's a juncture of the road marked by a great paved circle surrounded by open grassy meadow and another monolith at its center. I would have expected it to be crowned with moss and scarred by lichen. Instead, the black stone was smooth and clean, save for dust deposited by wind and rain. I stood staring up at the stone, studying the glyphs while the fool wandered about. I was wondering if any had markings on this one matched the markings I had copied to the map when the fool exclaimed, There was a village here once. So he looks up and he sees there's a bunch of indentations where old houses and foundations could be. There's like a like remnants of a road that would go through this village. And the fool says it might have been a sizable town at one time. And to Fitz, he says it makes sense. If this road had been a highway for commerce, then it was only natural that a town or market would spring up at every crossroad. I could imagine it on a bright spring day when farmers brought fresh eggs and new spring greens to town and weavers hung out their new goods to tempt the buyers and dot dot dot. I want to say that before, right before I move on, I want to say it starts with I could imagine it on a bright spring day. He is taking his time to imagine it and then it springs to life because it's so imbued with memory and things. He doesn't have to touch it necessarily. He's trying to imagine it and the memory of it reacts to that. Right. That recall. Yeah, which is really interesting. I wonder if that is a feature or a bug. (laughs) (laughs) Probably a feature, I would guess. I don't know. He says, for half an instant, the circle about the pillar thronged with folk. The vision began and ended at the pavement stones. So again, it's only surrounded by the black skill stone itself. Mm -hmm. Only within the virtue of the black stone did the people laugh and gesture and barter with one another. A girl crowned with a twist of green vine came through the crowd, glancing back over her shoulder at someone. I swear she caught my eye and winked at me. I thought I heard my name called and turned my head. Upon a dais stood a figure dressed in a flowing garment that shimmered with a glint of gold thread. She wore a gilded wooden crown decorated with cunningly carved and painted rooster heads and tail feathers. Her scepter was no more than a feather duster, but she gestured with it royally as she issued some decree. In the circle about me, folk roared with laughter. I could only stare at her ice-white skin and colorless eyes. She looked right at me. Before we move on, do you want to talk about anything in that view or the aftermath only? Do you think he did hear his name called or do you think he heard a different catalyst name and because he was in the spot a catalyst was, he didn't know who he was? Yes. That's what I think. See, okay. This is why I think that the skill works, that it calls to the people. Like, I think it's specific to people. See, from Cattle's reaction, it sounds like it just might be the Catalyst and 
the White Prophet because it's the only duo through time that we see, like, or have mention of again and again. Right. But it could be. But I don't know. It seems pretty interesting to me that it, like, it just so happens that the day that they're there coincides with the memory loop of the day that the catalyst and the right uh, and the prophet were there which honestly maybe i don't know it is the catalyst and the prophet maybe they were <laughs> supposed to be there on this day at that time will does rant that we are who we are meant to be and when we are meant to be yes here, so <laughs> it could be a great coincidence like that's supposed to happen right. but i don't know i also think it's really weird because Fitz is acting as though the people in this vision can see him too, not just mm-hmm. the prophet. Yeah. This other random girl, but it, it's almost like he's really there. And I think that part is also really interesting and makes me wonder. I think this is more of a falling into a full drowning in the memories kind of situation mm-hmm. because it's not just him miming what's happening throughout this. It, he seems to be stuck in place and catch or not catch again starling punches him to get him out of this right and he looks to where the fool is because fitz is all bewildered and like why are you stop it why yes. are you doing this <laughs> and he looks to where the fool is and the fool is stuck still as a statue as well and kind of topples to the ground when fitz gets knocked out of his reverie right so i feel like fitz dived so far in this, with the close connection between the White Prophet and the Catalyst, and both of them being here in this vision, it kind of snared them deeper. Right. So it feels like he was fully living in this person's memories and was just kind of frozen in place. Right. It's, uh, yeah, it's so weird. It's it's also weird to me that the fool is affected because as far as we know, he's not really skill touched in no, any way not, not right now you yeah be, right but. <laughs> but i don't know it just i guess we know that the whites in general have a better predilection to using skill and it works similarly for some of them yes right i don't know yeah it, it's it's really interesting again another quirk with the skill that we don't really know right but yeah, Fitz is broken out of his reverie in this vision by a, a punch, a strong yes. punch. <laughs> and with the fool falling, he is fully snapped out of it. Mm-hmm. And races to his side. And tells Starling to get water. And he brings the fool over to the shade of a tree to help him feel better. And the fool doesn't really break out of this weird trance that he seems to be in until water is splashed on his face and he says such a folk and such a day it was the announcing of realder's dragon and he had promised he would fly me he frowned suddenly and looked about in confusion it fades like a dream it fades leaving less than its shadow behind kettle and ketrican were suddenly with us as well Starling tattled out all that had happened while I helped the fool to drink some water. When she finished, Ketrikin looked grave, but it was Kettle who lashed out at us. 
The white prophet and the catalyst, she cries in disgust, rather names, r- name them as they are, the fool and the idiot. <laughs> of all the careless, foolish things to do, he has no training at all. How is he to protect himself from the coterie? Do you know what happened? I demanded, cutting into her tirade. I, well, of course not, but I can surmise. The stone he clambered on must be a skill stone, the same stuff as the road and the pillars. And somehow, this time, the road seized you both and with its power instead of just you. Fool kind of cuts in the argument that they've had of, like, why didn't you warn us? And it's like, I don't know. I just suspected things, and I didn't think you'd be so stupid to, <laughs> to do anything like this. Right. And he says, never mind. Abruptly, he laughed and stood up, pushing away my arm. Oh, this. This is such as I have not felt in years, not since I was a child. The certainty, the power of it. Kettle, would you hear a white prophet speak? Then hearken to this and be glad as I am glad. We are not only where we must be, we are when we must be. All junctures coincide. We draw closer and closer to the center of the web. You and I. He clasped my head suddenly between his two hands and placed his brow against mine. We are even who we must be. He freed me suddenly and spun away. He launched the handspring I had expected earlier, came to his feet, curtsied deeply and laughed aloud again, exultantly. We all gawked at him. You are in great danger, Kettle told him severely. I know, he replied, almost sincerely, and then added, As I said, exactly where we need to be. He paused, then asked me suddenly, Did you see my crown? Wasn't it magnificent? I wonder if I shall be able to carve it from memory. I saw the rooster crown, I said slowly, but what to make of any of this, I do not know. Fool goes on to say that you don't? Well, I would explain it if I could. It's not that I wish to keep secrets, but these secrets defy telling in mere words. Can you trust me in this? You are alive again, I said wonderingly. I had not seen such light in his eyes since the days when he had made King Shrewd bellow with, with laughter. Yes, he said gently, and when we have finished, I promise that you will be also. Uh, that is a prophecy, and it is true. They live to the end of the death of the whites, uh, but only just. <laughs> <laughs> true, true. I mean, I don't think it's actually a prophecy. Maybe. I don't know, but... Just a little it foreshadowing does, thrown in there. Yeah. It does happen that way. So. so this vision and the fool's response to it. Very interesting. Mm-hmm. So Realder is a member of Salt's Coterie. This is Realder's dragon who was promised to be the heart of this. And this dragon became Girl on the Dragon. It was not finished because one of the members tried to be separate from the rest of the coterie and remain in control. I believe that was Salt, uh, who was trying to be the girl of the girl on the dragon. Mm -hmm. So Realder was the catalyst to this unnamed white prophet with the rooster crown. And what later happens is the fool is drawn to the girl on a dragon in the quarry. He wants to finish her. This uh, this dragon statue mm-hmm. and pours memories in there to do that, and he eventually does and makes a an exchange with the fool, one to return the rooster crown to him, to Realder, to girl on a dragon, right, and in doing so would give back the memories that Fitz gave to girl on a dragon. 
that's kind of the bargain that they make. And putting it all together is really kind of heartbreaking because this is Realder's Dragon. He's so excited. He promised me he was going to fly me after he became a dragon. And he never does. He never sees the catalyst, his catalyst, or his white prophet, excuse me, again. And when he finally becomes part of the being, the girl on a dragon, Realder, he just wants his white prophet's crown as memory of her. Right, which is so sad. Also, I wonder if that means that this white prophet failed. Who knows? Who knows? That could not necessarily be anything. The white prophet, as we've mentioned before, can have multiple catalysts. Yeah. We think. But she was pale white with colorless eyes, so maybe just starting out and this was a... very first catalyst. (laughs) Yeah, kind of a failure there. Yeah. Also, or just or just a cl- really close friend. Who knew? Who knows? Yeah. I think it's the catalyst, though, Realder was. It's implied. Right. I think it's really... It really brings a little bit more credence that potentially this is closer to being lost in the memory. Mm-hmm. Because Fool is so affected. And fool unlike fitz isn't trained so fitz doesn't seem to have any like feeling from the memory he was living in at least that he communicates to the reader but fool clearly like lived as this person for an instant and maybe that gave him answers maybe the reason why he's so sure of himself now is because he had access briefly, even briefly, to the memories of a white prophet who was trained, who knew more. And maybe in that moment, the white prophet foresaw this moment. And so right. he knew, like, oh, I'm where I'm supposed to be. This is everything is right because of the prophet that I saw and what they knew. Right. And even just knowing that there's like a person like you out there would probably be a little bit of like it would help you take heart someone reaching from the past that's similar to you saying like you're on the right path yep you're doing it and i don't know it's just so interesting and i think it is also really interesting that he specifically says we are who we are when we are supposed to be and even who we are meant to be Mm -hmm. lots of options to take lots of choices that mold you right (laughs) into different people so yeah so that was, I don't know, I really like that, although it does worry me. And I think you're right. I think this interaction does, I mean, obviously it opens him up to be taken over by the Coterie, mm-hmm. which is bad, which is what Kettle is warning him against. And I don't think he understands in this moment. I think he's just so like, yeah, yeah obviously we're in danger, but that's how it's supposed to be. And and that's like one thing to say when it's a theory and then another to live through. So there's that. And then also we have, I think that he probably wouldn't have forged himself in any way if it weren't for this memory. I don't think he would be drawn to the girl on dragon. Yeah. It would just, you know, be, I don't know, it would be done. He would see it, think, oh, that's interesting and walk away. And maybe he would still be drawn. I don't know. But. Yeah, it does make me wonder what he gave up and why it doesn't seem to affect him as much as it affects Fitz to lose. Yeah, I don't know. Could be longer life. 
uh, more more experiences. He's been through a lot as a kid. So I don't know. There's, there's a lot of things going on with the fool. Right. I just think, I mean, he's even 17 years. He's still like putting a lot into Girl and Dragon to finish mm-hmm. the dragon. I don't know. It it just feels weird that he's not as stunted as Fitz. And maybe maybe it's part of the white genetics or something. They're not as heavily affected by forging. I don't know. Again, it's yeah. <laughs> it's an it's a cop out but an easy one to make. <laughs> like yes. I kind of like the one that I made before. <laughs> right. <laughs> but anyway, they have done this thing together and they kind of can't help but laugh. That it's kind of silly and they're happy and it's just the fool's exuberance bubbles into fits and he can't help but also be happy even though he can see how disappointed kettle is and how catcher can clearly thinks that they're keeping something from her yeah says the outrage on starling's face the rebuke in kettles and the exasperation in ketrickens i suddenly had to grin Says they could never really fully explain what they meant or what they were going through, but they tried. But eventually they compared the pillar to the map and kind of got on with their journey here. Right. They don't really know if the pillar is going exactly where they need it to and Fitz volunteers to try to go through again, to which Ketrikin says, no, we started this journey together. We're ending the journey together. And Fitz knows that it's probably because, like I said, she seems to think that they intentionally left her out of inside knowledge. But he's also secretly really glad because at least he doesn't have to try again. And also, I'm really glad that he doesn't have to because we know that some of the pillars are destroyed Mm -hmm. or facing down or (laughs) like in a dangerous spot like in the ocean. Yeah. And so I'm really glad that Fitz doesn't offer to touch one at random because, ugh, that's so dangerous. The only mark that they find in common is the stone one again. Yes. And so Fitz is asking her, what do you propose? Cause he, he's trying to appease her. Like she thinks we're keeping information from her. No, we're not, but still like, right. <laughs> try to, Hey, what do you propose we do? And Ketrikin says, What I first suggested. We will follow that old road that goes off through the trees. It appears to match what is marked here. It cannot take us more than two marches to reach the end of it, especially if we start now. And she immediately starts walking along again. Kettle snaps at both the fool and (laughs) fits to get going. And they do. They follow along and they continue until nightfall. And once it's night, the fool and Fitz and Night Eyes go hunting. And he makes note that clearly everyone still thinks that they are both still idiots, but at least they're letting them go hunt. <laughs> yes. And specifically calls out Starling was sulkily silent. But as we had not had words, I assumed her peak had some other source. That comes into play as well. Right. And so they leave and they go hunting. They get some rabbits. Well, Night Eyes gets rabbits, which he graciously allows Fitz to carry. 
And then they go by a stream where they try fishing with their hands. Tickling fish out. Yes. Which I think is how you catch catfish. Um, Mm -hmm. I don't know if these are catfish, but I know that that's how you catch catfish. And it sounds terrifying to me to let a fish (laughs) like eat your arm to grab it out of the water. But hey, if it gets you food, I guess. But as they're by the stream, they start splashing each other and Fitz gets pushed into the the water and everybody's having fun and Fitz is laughing and he mm-hmm. makes note that he doesn't remember the last time he just laughed and had fun and the fool is laughing and even Night Eyes is laughing. They're just, this is such a wholesome, mm-hmm. fun moment. There's nothing, this is just friends having fun and uh, it just makes me so sad because Fitz doesn't ever get this. And here he is, like, enjoying something for once. When they get back to camp, Starling is staring at them, at least at Fitz. And he demands, what? How did you get all so wet? She asked. Oh, by the stream where we got the fish. Ned Eyes pushed me in. I gave him a passing nudge with my knee as I headed toward the tent. He made a mock snap at my leg. And the fool fell in as well? We were throwing water at one another, I admitted wryly. I grinned at her, but she did not smile. Instead, she gave a small snort, as if disdainful. I shrugged and went into the tent. Ketrickin glanced up at me from her map, but said nothing. Fit chivalry, she said suddenly in a voice that commanded my attention. Yes, my queen? I came to kneel beside her, thinking she wanted to consult on the map. Instead, she set it aside and turned to me. Her blue eyes met mine squarely. We are a small company, all dependent on one another. Any kind of strife within our group serves the purpose of our enemy. I waited, but she said no more. I do not understand why you tell me this, I said humbly at last. She sighed and shook her head. I feared as much, and perhaps I do more harm than good to speak of it at all. Starling is tormented by your attentions to the fool. I was speechless. I do want to say that it is really funny that Ketrickin has to, like, watch this all unfold and just be like, okay, Fitz, somebody has to tell you, knock it off. (laughs) You're making Starling jealous. (laughs) We'll get to that, but I think it's ridiculous oh i think it's ridiculous but i think Uh, it's funny that like the idea of ketrickin watching this all unfold like i'm a grown-up and i don't this is silly and i'll just (laughs) let them deal with it and then like come on fitz fix the problem and then all of a sudden okay i'm gonna tell him (laughs) of course fitz doesn't know what's going on he doesn't know anything so ketrickin speared me with a blue glance and then looked aside from me again she believes the fool is a woman and that you kept a tryst with her tonight it chagrins her that you disdain her so completely. I found my tongue. My lady queen, I do not disdain Mistress Starling. My outrage had rendered me formal. In truth, she is the one who has avoided my company and put a distance between us since finding I am witted and sustain a bond with a wolf. Respecting her wishes, I have not pressed my friendship upon her. As to what she says of the fool, surely you must find it as ludicrous as I do. Should I? Ketrickin asked me softly. All I can truthfully say I know of it is that he is not not a man like other men. I cannot disagree with that, I said quietly. He is unique among all the people I have ever known. 
Cannot you show some kindness to her fit chivalry? Ketrickin burst out suddenly. I do not ask that you court her, only that you do not let her be rent with jealousy. I folded my lips, forced my feelings to find courteous answer. My queen, I will offer her, as I ever have, my friendship. She has given me small sign of late of even wanting that, let alone more. But as to that topic, I do not disdain her, nor any other woman. My heart is given already. It is no more right to say that I disdain Starling than it is to say that you disdain me because your heart is filled with my lord Verity. Ketrickin shot me an oddly startled look. For a moment she seemed flustered. Then she looked down at the map she still gripped. It is as I feared. I have only made it worse by speaking to you. I am so tired, Fitz. Despair drags at my heart always. To have starling moody is like sand against raw flesh to me. I but sought to put things right between you. I beg your pardon if I have intruded, but you are a comely youth still, and it will not be the last time you have such cares. Fitz gets into a little bit of his insecurities about how he looks and how scarred he is and how Molly will see him when he sees her next. And Ketrickin speaks to him as a friend. Then, instead of a queen, as a woman, saying, I speak to you as a woman to tell you that although you bear scars, you are far from the grotesque you seem to believe yourself. You are still a comely youth in ways that have nothing to do with your face. And were my heart not full with my Lord Verity, I would not disdain you. She reached out a hand and ran cool fingers down the old split up down my cheek, as if her touch could erase it. My heart turned over in me, an echo of Verity's embedded passion for her amplified by my gratitude that she would say such a thing to me. You well deserve my lord's love, I told her artlessly from a full heart. Oh, do not look at me with his eyes, she said dolefully. She rose suddenly, clasping the map to her breast like a shield, and left the tent. So, quite a bit to talk about in that. First off, don't flaunt your tryst with the fool in front of Starling. It's making her jealous. <laughs> First of all, I have big problems from that. I've been having big problems with Starling misgendering the fool this whole time. But especially that she goes so far as to believe that the obtuse man she has been traveling with for four months would, number one, just randomly have a tryst with the fool after hearing how much he loves Molly and turning her down because of how much he loved Molly. But not only that, that he would do it so plainly that anybody could have walked over and seen and then come to her to brag about it and want her approval. Like, that does, that's nothing like Fitz. That's nothing that Fitz has shown since they've been near each other. He's mm -hmm. not a flirt. He is not going after every single woman they've ever come in contact with. It's so weird that she thinks this way to me. It's also, I also have issues with Ketrickin in this mm. quite a bit. Um, I don't know if it's just the wording that Robin Hobb used. I don't know. I just have issues with how she approached it. Like, hey, I don't want you to, like, to court or anything, but like, make her feel loved. Like, <laughs> like, <laughs> like, I don't know. It's just, I, it's just weird to me that she's like, hey, knock it off with the fool and be more like that with Starling instead. So it doesn't bother me as much. Mm -hmm. It's just, I don't know. The whole situation is not great to me. Right. I know it. I expect better of Ketrickin. 
I understand from his perspective that it's probably very grating and has been for the past like three weeks, but still. Right. (laughs) It's really hard. I hate it, number one, because why can't two guys just be friendly? Like they're close friends. Why can't they just hang out and talk and be alone together without it being Mm -hmm. assumed that something more is going on? Like guys can just be friends too. Like, (laughs) Mm -hmm. and also, why does Starling have to get special attention and then the fool get less attention? That's right. not fair to the fool. What did the fool do wrong? What did Fitz do wrong that he has to treat his friend poorly to make Starling feel better? Obviously, this is coming from Starling's own insecurities. Mm-hmm. Because also and her own traumas. Yes. We, we get more into that next chapter. They have yes. a they have a talk there and this episode, at least the end of this episode, is probably going to be more like, why is Starling so bad? And then next episode is going to be like, Starling is very sympathetic. Yes. So, <laughs> so I know. If, you, if you do like Starling, just wait till next episode. But for right now, I'm all for bashing Starling in the moment. <laughs> this particular thing is, you. there's duality to every person. Yes. But it is really frustrating that it's put on fits to... Number one, stop having fun. This is the happiest Fitz has been in a really long time. And Mm -hmm. it's like, oh, sucks because you're going to have to give that up to make somebody else happy that Mm -hmm. you just met just because she needs she's like a little bit more shallow and needs some sort of indication that Mm -hmm. she's important in a way that like shouldn't matter. But it does. And that's fine. There's nothing wrong with needing validation in that way. It's sad to me because like she is worth so much more than mm-hmm. male attention. <laughs> so right. she should find that in herself. But <sighs> it, it gives more credence to the fact that the fact that the fool said to Fitz like she thinks I should be attracted to her because I'm a man or thinks that you should be attracted to her because you're a man and she's a woman. And then as soon as she decided that the fool was a woman becomes an object of jealousy, then like it's, yeah. it's all about that. Like you said, the, the male attention, the, I need to have the certain, it, it makes me think that she's like a drop dead 10 out of 10 stunner, to be honest. And like, <laughs> I don't, I, I don't understand like, right. <laughs> because she seems like a stereotypical high school movie character like mean girl kind of thing like why isn't she's a teen yeah why well i think again like i said i think she is older than fits but still like young 20s like early 20s something like that still very young right but it it just makes me think of like one of those movies like why is this nerdy art girl getting attention and I'm not from this boy. You right. Know? Yeah. Like, the quarterback should like me because I'm the head cheerleader. <laughs> this quirky male presenting theater student who's actually a woman. Yeah. Is, I know it's a woman in disguise. Yeah. You know, like, <laughs> like, I don't know. It's, it's very, this chapter makes me feel like that's a very accurate description of her, which I know is unfair to her. Right. But this side of the story, seeing it from this presentation of like all of these little things of Starling is looking at me in outrage. Starling is uh, very bewildered about this and exasperated about these events. And then the confrontation at the end of like, she thinks you had a tryst with the fool right now. Right. And then Ketrickin saying like, 
well, is Starling wrong? <laughs> it just, it makes me frustrated and really feel for Fitz's side, but I know there's another side to right. it. Right. And obviously, this is, her issues are stemming from a problem that is very deep and like a trauma that she is trying to recover from. This didn't happen to her that long ago. So like. And happened again more recently too. Right. And so like, clearly it's not just because this is who she was before too. Mm -hmm. And maybe she was, I don't know. There's nothing wrong with, again, there's nothing wrong with wanting male attention or like casual flings with people. Mm -hmm. That's fine. It's just the like level she takes it to mm -hmm. is so frustrating. Bases her entire self-worth or the, the entirety of relationships with men on whether on, or not they would yes, get with on her. sexual desire. Yeah. And I know that's probably some type of coping me mechanism, but it's like really hard to watch mm -hmm. because like I said, I think she's such a smart individual. And so not that you can't be smart to want this. I'm just saying there are so many like things about her that are interesting and I want to know more about that and the fact that she doesn't, like, want men to be part of that. That doesn't matter in her relationship with men. Makes me sad. Like I said, the next chapter, they do get to talk a little bit. And it, it really makes me, once again, not for the first time and not for the <laughs> five billionth time or not for the last time, makes me appreciate Robin Hobbs' characterization and how nuanced even side characters can be. Because... Starling does have those coping mechanisms because of traumas in her right. past. And these decisions that she makes and emotional journeys that she has does make sense in a twisted way. You know, it's it's taking back control of her life. She thinks that Fitz is unfeeling, uncaring about what happened to her when Fitz is just oblivious. And we get his disgust at like, for example, the mild breaking of her fingers Right. Mild compared to other traumas, but right. the breaking of her fingers. We get that disgust and that that big like, oh, my God, I can't believe they did this in Fitz's head. He never reacts or touches on it afterwards. Right. Not even out loud or commiserates with her about it. Like, that's, yeah. that's the kind of thing that she sees in like, oh, he doesn't care. Right. My self-worth isn't based on anything except that I'm a woman, you know. Right. And it's also hard because... Like you said, we're reading from Fitz's point of view. Mm -hmm. And so we're seeing that Starling isn't putting a ton of effort into this friendship either. Right. And so, like I will say, when Fitz is being obtuse and being like, why won't people like me? And then puts no effort in. I'm going to say to Starling, you have to also make an effort. You right. have to yeah. make the moves of letting people know that you want to be their friend. I don't think Fitz is doing a very good job of showing her that he sees her as a friend. <laughs> yeah. Like, I, I don't think it's fair to say that it's all Starling's fault that they're not fr more friendly right now. But I do think that it's not fair of Starling to be upset that Fitz isn't paying more attention to her when she has been distant from him. Mm -hmm. And even if that's like, the reasons are different from what we hear from Fitz's point of view. She hasn't talked to him very much. And when she does, it's to badger him about the fool. Mm -hmm. It's not conversations. It's I need to know more about the fool to know that I'm right. Right. And I think that also comes back to her personality trait. I don't like, which is she can't be wrong. Right. Yeah. That she's... is a little insufferable. <laughs> and it's something that kind of continues throughout. Mm -hmm. Their oh, relationship yeah. as they go on is that she doesn't really value Fitz as a person in a way that 
she wants him to value her. The the fool was correct in saying that he is fit chivalry to her. Yes. Yeah, he's a person, but he's fit chivalry. You know, he's not he's not Fitz. Yeah, it's not a real person. Mm-hmm. It's not Tom. It's yeah, it's not Tom. <laughs> it's fit chivalry. I don't know. It it is such a hard thing to talk on i think well because we haven't gotten to the part to explain it and i don't right. want to rag on her because we do know <laughs> <laughs> we know it's coming we know why she's doing this and i i don't think that excuses things no it just no. explains them yeah and so i think it's still fair to have criticism of her actions mm-hmm. and to be like hey she's a kind of a bad person in this moment mm-hmm. but it is good to remember like in a sense, she is still human mm-hmm. and that it's not as black and white as she's super shallow or right. she's not. Yeah. It's a little bit more than that. So the last part of that, then, before we finish the chapter, <laughs> is the Ketrican, the personal yes. Ketrican conversation. I wonder if a little bit of this conversation of like fix things with Starling also comes from a jealousy from Ketrican. Mm, maybe the barest sense, but I honestly do think she's on like a pragmatic quest and like, this is really bothering me. <laughs> like fix it. Interesting. I saw this more of like a, this is the best I can do to quell my own jealousy. Maybe it could I'm be. married, so I can't do much more, Yeah, but I can be. at least help a sister out. And like, <laughs> she does have reactions to what he says. Yeah. So. Yeah. I think she feels guilty about her feelings for Fitz also. Cannot you show some kindness to her, Fitz chivalry? Ketrican burst out suddenly. I do not ask that you court her, only that you do not let her be rent with jealousy. So yeah, it could be it could be like a reflection, um, digging down deep, kind of spitting out what her insecurities are in the framing of Starling. Mm-hmm. Could be, definitely. But the answer that Fitz gives is a very, very good answer. It's like, I don't disdain any women. Right. Like, I don't ignore them because I have Molly. Like, they're <laughs> they're fine to be my friends. Just my heart is full of Molly. So it's like saying, you're going to disdain me because your heart is full of Verity. And she's like, uh, don't compare Ooh. me with Starling. <laughs> yeah. She's like, mm. But also, like, I do kind of have a crush on you, and, like, um, that's awkward, so. (laughs) But I do want to speak on the fact that I think it's really nice to see an example of someone who is setting the boundary of, like, men and women can be just friends. Yeah, yeah. Like, there's no reason that just because I love a woman that I can't like other women in a platonic way, that, that doesn't make sense. Obviously, we're like all, I don't know, complex. And I really like that he talks about that and that he mm-hmm. like puts just as adamant. It's like when he talks about the wit, like that's just how life is. Yeah. This is another thing where he's like, I don't see how you it's- can see it in any other way. Why wouldn't I be friends with other women just because I love Molly? Mm-hmm. Like you're still a person. <laughs> and I really like that. I like, cause I agree, <laughs> but also it's good to see. I don't think it's said very often in media in general. So to have a book that touches on that is nice. Yeah. Yeah. And then the second part of that with the conversation with her is them talking about how uh, handsome he actually is. <laughs> right. Which is, it is a good reflection of, how low Fitz's self-worth actually is. Right. 
he views himself as an abomination, a destroyed person. He is broken, as we we talked about a mm-hmm. lot early this book and early or yeah, early this book, I think, when he was recovering. Right. About how he sees himself as broken and how everyone around him sees him as he is. He he's fits and yeah, he has scars, but he lives he's lived through a lot and that's who he is. It's fine. Right. He's still incredibly like he is his father's son he's still incredibly handsome verity is described as a look like all of them are very handsome i want to know regal is like the most beautiful guy in the world right like how attractive was fitz that a scar and a like crooked nose isn't enough to make him not literally a scar from his forehead down his like between his eyes down his nose and like to his chin and people are so like with a broken nose eh. on top of that, and so like, okay, smash, I'd smash. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh my gosh, she, she does say it's not just your face, that right? Makes you come. Like, it's you, you're a great guy too. Yes, but, but also, it's like he has to be pretty good looking. Yeah. If that doesn't, I mean, it doesn't thwart Molly later, and I know Molly also knows him a little bit deeper than just the scar on his face. But like, he literally never Gina. Later, the hedge witch, Gina, is really into him. Oh, I, Gina threw me off. I always thought it was Gina. Oh. Because it's two N's. That's fair. Either either way. Yeah, I was like, who's Gina? (laughs) You know, Gina. (laughs) Yeah, true. But the hedge witch later, she doesn't know him very deeply. But yeah, he he has to be good looking in some sense. And that's just Ketrikin pointing it out to him. Like, hey, you're not your scars. Right. You're you're you. You're the sum of everything there. I think okay, this is might be a little mean to Fitz, but I think Fitz's big himbo energy. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> no thoughts, just muscle. <laughs> Night Eyes is the thoughts, we all know that. Yes. He they both they have one brain cell between them and Night Eyes uses it to eat a porcupine. So like <laughs> <laughs> But they're so interesting. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know. I <sighs> There's also there's also one thing I want to point out at the end of this too. Yes. And get your thoughts on. She reached out a hand and ran cool fingers down the old split down my cheek as if her touch could erase it. My heart turned over in me, an echo of Verity's embedded passion for her, amplified by my gratitude that she would say such a thing. You're shaking your head and I'm thinking the same thing. It's not an echo. That's what you describing it to yourself as fits because you right. don't want to say that you have feelings for your queen right like your your uncle's wife you know right <laughs> like this is this is you returning that crush because yes. you you are touched by the friendship and you do have a deep friendship and, and knowledge of ketrikin as a person and you share a bond together you both know it's never going to happen because right. you each have people that you love but there is a spark there Right. And it's so funny to me because it has been I, since he was, you know, first met her. Right. When she poisoned him. <laughs> so I that's think maybe, that's, maybe that's the way to fits his heart. Just you know? poison him. Yeah. Just poison or him. Or hit him. Or like, hit him. Yeah. Some way danger his life, endanger his life. Yeah. And then he'll love you forever. Um, <laughs> what does that say about his trauma? Oh, Fitz. Yeah. I think I've talked before about how when I first read through this series, 
I didn't see them as having feelings for each other. Mm-hmm. Like I was so focused on yeah, the Molly Fitz I re- relationship. I remember that. And I mentioned something about it. Or you, you mentioned the ending. Like you didn't see Ketrickin confessing her feelings for Fitz. Yes. It came out of nowhere. And I'm I, like, what? Yeah. I was shocked <laughs> in the final book when she confesses because I'm like, I'm sorry. Since when? And now rereading, knowing that like she's going to confess her feelings. I'm seeing all these things that like, how did I miss that? Mm-hmm. But it is really funny how you can miss it. It makes me feel like fits a little bit that like yeah. I miss the obvious signs. I, I want to point that out too, though, uh, with our discussion about Starling earlier and this Robin Hobb does a great job in writing how dumb Fitz is. Right. It's, it's not just like leaving out details. It's manipulating those details to fit perfectly into his thought patterns, and his narrative yeah. and his narrative. And you don't, you don't see anything else because it flows so seamlessly together that you really have to stop and think or know what's coming up to be like, that's his thoughts. That's not like actually what's happening. Right. And that's also a weird thing because I for sure knew Starling was jealous in some capacity the first time around. It just seems weird because like, no, the fool is a guy. And then the next trilogy, oh, it's Amber. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. So they're gender fluid. Got it. (laughs) Cool. But, (laughs) but like, I don't know. I do. I hate that Starling won't just like, even if, even if the fool is a woman and like, you recognize that this person is going by he to all of the people who have known him way longer right. than you have. Yeah. So maybe just let them be a, like stop live that insisting way. that they're a certain gender and stop like insisting that you're going to call them by the right gender because, you know, right. Like, even if you're it's, right. OK, so <sighs> it's. Uh-huh. Six Duchies is not that advanced of a society to that point right. where they have those like, kinds of conversations. Let's let's be clear here. They're not as nuanced or like advanced to the point of just let's have internal thoughts about philosophies of sex versus gender versus gender society versus and, yeah, yeah, like sociology, you know, <laughs> anything like that. That's not that's not something that comes up in conversation no. in the Six Duchies. But I think even still Like, clearly there's a reason that this person that you, like, feel like you know to your bones as a woman is going by he. And everyone else is calling him he. So maybe just, like... Follow suit. Maybe that's what they prefer. Yeah. Or maybe they're doing it for a reason of safety or something. And you're going to be dangerous by continuously saying she. Like, you don't know this. I don't know. Yeah, that's the... We'll we'll not rant too much yes. more because we already did for a while. But <laughs> that that is like you said, that's the heart of the issue and the great, the really really grating part of her personality is that she has to be right about certain things, and that just yeah. it comes out with this in like the most annoying way possible because the fool is a lot of people's favorite character. Yeah, yeah. So I think that's I think that's the main reason. Like that insistent part of it is the main reason why a lot of people don't like Starling. <laughs> Right. It's just and that I, whole like. Yeah. And I do, I think, like Starling overall. <laughs> I do, too. She's it's, a great character. Yes. She has a she brings a lot to the book and the stories that we hadn't had before. Yes. Which is a very, very big confidence. Yeah. There there is no confidence besides Kettle's like Regal. Maybe. I'm I'm well, yeah, but yeah, Regal's but like he doesn't count. He's a villain. Yeah. Besides like. <laughs> Chade being confident that, like, you know, this is how we do it. But, like, they, there's no peers with right. Fitz or people he stays with a long time that are 
confident in what they're doing and who they are. And Starling projects that out. Yeah. It's like, I am right. Yeah. This is my world. Right. And, and that is a defensive me- mechanism that she has. Mm-hmm. But it's so different from the other characters that I think it is really a good dynamic that we have in the story. And she's a great character because right. of it. Yeah. I would agree. <sighs> so I want to finish up this very long talk <laughs> that has had many tangents with Fitz's ending of you deserve all my Lord's love and Ketrickin walking away saying, don't look at me with his eyes. Is this because he looks so similar to Verity that it reminds her that she to be guilty that they kind I, of I like, think I think so a little bit. I think it's a little bit like, you know, don't feel pity for me, first of all. Right. Like to because Ketrickin's also a strong woman yes. who like doesn't she don't need, need to no be, man. She doesn't well, <laughs> she wants her man desperately. That's true, but she doesn't need him. <laughs> Clearly. She is thriving. She, she doesn't want to be reminded of that loss. Right. And to if this conversation is true of what we're saying is true, which mm-hmm. we think it is, yeah, it's probably a, a reminder of like, you look so much like Verity. Don't look at me with gratitude and love like that. Right. I can't be reminded in any way. Yeah. It's probably so really hard right now. <laughs> yes. So it, I think it's a little bit of a bunch of feelings kind of colliding together. Right. Well, thanks so much for tuning in this week. Also, Fitz is happy. Yeah. Yeah. We'll say Fitz is happy this one. Yeah. I wrote down, which was naive of me. I wrote down, this might be the happiest chapter Fitz gets. Oh, gosh. Um, no. This book. This book. He's laughing. I feel like he had playing. a happier one. Okay. But I also forgot that, like, the whole first half of this is, like, him struggling with the, like, coterie whenever I wrote that. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, there's there's a lot of uh, other stuff going on. Yes. But I do think that this is in the top. One of the happiest days he's had. Yes. uh, We'll say. Top five happiest chapters, maybe. It's like five pages of the chapter. Uh, thank you you so much for tuning in if you have any comments to say to us about any of the tangents that we had please let us know you can reach us reach us at isfitshappy at gmail.com or you can go to our website isfitshappy.com and we have a bunch of links there to various uh, social medias that we have facebook instagram twitter where it is fits happy on all three of those. We also have all a bunch of different podcast sites where you can review, rate us, tell us what we're doing right, tell us what we're doing wrong. Just let us know how it's going. So thank you so much for tuning in. We hope to see you next week. See you soon. I almost want to start chanting like mail, mail. Mail, mail. <laughs> <laughs> but it's not, it's not all emails. <laughs> you could do the uh, the Blue's Clues song. No, because that's, I think, copywritten. <laughs> yeah, probably. Probably. So. We'll just dive into it then, huh? I guess. I have to. <laughs> <laughs> it's time for everyone's favorite part. <laughs> I don't know. It's my favorite part. <laughs> time for listener queries? I don't even know. Contributions? Contributions, Yeah. So this week, we're going to talk about a few things some of you guys have sent in. Yeah. And we're going to start with, first of all, Ellen on Facebook letting us know that it is the witness stone. Yes. Um, 
Thank you. <laughs> I could not for the life of me. Even for after like three episodes, you were like those standing stones. The one, like, you know, the, the thing. where they fight. <laughs> <laughs> it's the witness stones. Thank you. I like. I don't know why I am so bad. I don't know why I decided to do a podcast first of all because I am horrible with names, <laughs> and <laughs> clearly, whether that is n- proper nouns or just. <laughs> I guess it's still a proper noun if it's not a person. Yeah, it is. But yeah, so just proper nouns in general don't really stick in my noggin. But thank you, Ellen, for reminding yeah. us. Then Ellen also sent, uh, has another comment on episode 92 as well about fits in general. And I think that fits in with our conversation about him yes. at the end of this this episode here, how... It's Fitz's habit to not say anything. He thinks a lot of stuff and then chooses not to say anything. Like someone opens up to him and he might think something about comforting about it or like, oh, that's really crappy. And then just doesn't tell them. Yes. He's just shut in. He doesn't respond a lot. And it might it must be like talking to, you know, a wooden door, just kind of <laughs> <laughs> talking into a wall. Right. It's really interesting because it makes me wonder if Fitz's face is expressive in any way or if he's just like blank stare listening to you talk and then goes, OK, good talk and walks away. I I would think that he has some emotion on his face. Yeah, he like Ellen says here, he must be a pretty good listener or at least exude that aura because people do open up to him. Right. So it, it's just kind of frustrating for readers. Yeah. But it seems to be sometimes okay for the actual lives of the characters, but almost all the time they come back and say, like, you have to tell us what you're thinking. Yes. <laughs> Alan also mentions that maybe this is part of being witted, where he just expects other people to pick up on the feelings he's sending them. And not necessarily that he's sending them feelings, but that, like... Everybody he, can read like he does. Yeah. yeah the the so, social cues are missing. Something that we haven't brought up for a while, but we yeah. talked about in the first book. Right. That definitely part of it has to be that he doesn't understand what it's like to live without being able to read people's emotions. And we know that he does it as second nature. Like the wit is like second nature to him. So maybe it's just that he's never thought about it. He thinks whenever he gets to a spot where he can't use the wit or the wit doesn't work on somebody, he thinks about how weird it is. But It's usually in life or death situations, so there's not time to sit down and think, huh, this is what people who talk to me feel (laughs) when they're talking at me is nothing, so I should verbalize things more. We don't really get that from him. Right. And it it is really frustrating. It also is something that I have to remind myself as I read because I think sometimes I get mad at the other characters for not believing in Fitzmore or taking him Mm -hmm. at his word or kind of caring more about him because of how much love and compassion and care he has for them. But then I have to remind myself that, yeah, I know that and Fitz knows that, but this person has no idea. This is okay. So I'm going to use up my every five episodes wheel of time reference here. Uh, This is a big issue in some of the later books where one person can smell emotions on other people 
And it leads to a lot of readers having frustrations with this character's wife because of the way that she reacts to what he's doing. And it it really took me another reread to go through and be like, oh, he knows what she's her micro expressions and her micro feelings like it'll, he'll read like oh there was a flash of anger quickly smothered and covered up with something else and she's being perfectly nice to him but he's reacting and acting off of that anger that he felt so it seems from her point of view completely crazy and like kind of out of nowhere it's like i'm not being angry why is he being like this right so i feel it, it's somewhat in a similar way to fits where Fitz expects people to have the same senses as him or he just he's complacent in that way sometimes and it just doesn't get across the same way that he would want it to and people can't read him because he's not reacting right to them at least (laughs) just I just found it interesting to draw similarities between the two characters yeah so Another thing to keep in mind as we read that Fitz isn't as vocal we as we all want him to be. Right, right. <laughs> so thank you, Ellen, for that. We also got some nice messages from John. Mm-hmm. Starting with a little bit of hopping on the hating on Starling train, which he was not aware that we were going to be doing at the end of this. <laughs> but uh, he does comment that... She's so naive. Yeah. And, and this, this is, is this is in reference to Fitz going off to kill the guards. Yes. And her acting like very like, what are you doing kind of thing. Right. And this is something that I think frustrates everybody, but it is good to hear other people say it as well. But just how it's so odd that she can't get over the fact that like things happen in the real world mm-hmm. and there is a little naivete on her end. And it made John think of Verity saying, would that all Buck minstrels were so sheltered. (laughs) (laughs) I I think that's a good quote to pull. Yes. (laughs) So thank you for that Facebook comment. Yes. And then John also sent us a email to talk a little bit more. (laughs) Couldn't think of the word for a second. No, I, (laughs) I don't know. I, my second language is, um, not talking. So, (laughs) or no, my first language. I don't know. I can't talk ever. As evidenced here, Emma's yes. strength is not finding the right words. <laughs> it's a great skill to have to always lose regular words. Um, so John also sent us an email with a few ideas. Uh, the first one we're going to t- touch on is skill pillars slash the raised stones with runes. Yep. And this is something that's really interesting And John said that their theory is that potentially this was something that apprentices who were trained to make skill stones did. Specifically speaking of the mountain kingdom ones that Ketrakin is describing. Sorry. (laughs) Thank you for the extra details. They're all over the mountain kingdom. They're everywhere. And so the idea is that potentially a like apprentices would make their first one when learning how to make the skill pillars to figure out, you know, the right way to do it and what it means. And maybe that's why they're everywhere. Or there's a chance that traversing the mountain is hard. It has always been hard and it's 
takes a really long time to get anywhere when you're trying to go around a mountain. So maybe they just put a lot everywhere to make traveling a little bit easier Mm -hmm. so that you don't have to go around or through a mountain. The, The only issue I see with this about being practice runs is that honestly, Ketrikin doesn't say that there are a bunch she says there are a few in, in places around, you know? Right. I feel like if this was regularly practiced where you, you know, maybe set one up and, and kind of go through it, I I don't know. I feel like there would be way more because this is the skill pillars that the elderlings created. This is not, well, this is not skill users from the six duchies or anything. So right. I, I don't know. Hear me out. There are way more in the Mountain Kingdom than in Buck. Are there? We we don't I know guess, that. I suppose we don't know. At least in the Buck Duchy, the one or well, there, the one that there, Fitz is from. There are two that we know of within walking distance in Buckkeep. There's one in the basement in the dungeons. Oh, that's true. And then there's the witness stones. That's true. And then there's also another one, I think, that's probably a few days ride out or something like that. Fair enough. So th- there are there are quite a few. I just don't know if there's enough in the Mountain Kingdom to say, like, this was the training grounds. You that's know? fair. It's an I, interesting theory. I, I just like the theory a lot. Yeah. So I'm going to continue to believe <laughs> it. But this is one of those that I'm just like, I don't know, maybe. <laughs> See, this is the this is why we are good together because I am like, yes, I believe it. I love everything. And Luke is more like, "Mm, I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) So you get a little bit of both. And then also there was mention, we talk a little bit about the great chasm bridge. Yeah. Ketrikin mentions it when speaking of those runes. Yes. And Luke made the comment that he wants to know where it is and what it's talking about. But John made the comment that, it does beg the idea that there is a great chasm somewhere in the mountains that we don't know about, that we have never seen. Because at first, when they first read it, he was thinking that it was... The Kelsingra chasm, like the bridge there or something. Yes, because we do know that there are some pillars on the Kelsingra side that could have been a bridge or a dock, but they are not raised. There's no, like, other side in the area where the non-skilled people or the people who couldn't live near the skill stone lived. Mm-hmm. So yeah, the dragon keepers don't find one there when they go. Right. So there's no broken down bridge there. So it can't be in Kelsingra, but that doesn't mean that there's another chasm, which I am surmising means that potentially there was a really big explosion of some sort yeah, a big cataclysm and that yeah they built a bridge in the mountain kingdom section yeah but it destroyed all of kelsingra right but it still leaves the question of where did the lava go then because i feel like they would have lava rocks <laughs> oh like somehow mentioned although maybe the like gray stones that no i think lava's lava rocks are black yeah never mind i was gonna say maybe the gray stones used for the rune chips it's a mystery we don't know <laughs> we don't know but Anyway, they were also affected. Mm-hmm. The fool also wishes that he could have seen the city in that chapter. And John makes a point here to say that the fool 
must not have had dreams about being in that city at all. So having the vision of restoring the world with dragons and things like that, it would be nice to see that vision come to life before the end comes around, you know? Right. Yeah. And I wonder if this is partially because he thinks he's going to die at the end of the next Fitz trilogy and him going. Yeah. I'm going to say, right. I don't know if he knows he's going to die there now. Uh, I think he finds that out later, like has a vision that he's like fatalistic at the end of that. Cause okay. I think his next visions and stuff, he's focused on the rain or the, the live ship trader trilogy right. events. Okay. That's but, what I'll say. I don't know. I don't know for sure. But. Right. But either way, potentially the reason he hasn't seen it is because first of all, he's too young, but <laughs> I guess also because like, as of the timeline where it stands, he's going to die before he gets there which happens in the final Fitz trilogy. Mm -hmm. So maybe that's part of it. Yeah. He just has to have faith that it comes true, basically. Yeah. Which is crazy because he's putting a lot of work in Mm -hmm. for a bunch of people. That's kind of what I was touching on, too, during that episode, that he would have liked to see some vision, you know, of of what he was working towards. And I I really agree with John's point there that it's kind of blind faith (laughs) from then on. Yeah. And... Yeah. And then their final point is that back is to on, language. Yeah, back to language. Um, and that it's possible that the runes from Ketrickin's game are super similar to the original runes in Kelsingra that Fitz saw. And he talks about how the Japanese language uses Chinese characters for writing Japanese and he has a Japanese colleague that can read some Chinese words, but and have not, a close idea what yeah, it means. And yeah. have a yeah, be pretty close, but not really know like wouldn't be able to read a sentence or piece together a sentence mm-hmm. with the knowledge. And so it's probably really similar in that way to what Ketrikin sees. Yeah. So it, it's kind of like what we were talking about before with the I think last episode's uh, Facebook comment yes. by Degenhart, where languages would have a common root somewhere and then branch off. And then these symbols would be recognizable, but two distinct languages. Yes. Yeah. And I think that those two comments, uh, last episodes and this one, kind of highlight what I was trying to get at and poorly explaining. <laughs> so, right. so thank you for illustrating it in a little bit better sense that... You know, things can be related and you can read a couple words here and there, but the whole structure of the whole language is gone. Right. It's completely different besides maybe a few things that look similar. Yeah. So thank you, John, for the wonderful thoughts. And then. Last but not least. Last but not least, uh, we wanted to talk about an email we got from Nathan. Nathan sent us a really, really interesting email about how the potential of how namings work for elderlings. And they got the idea from the theory that uh, I put forth (laughs) into the ether that potentially Ida and Elle are a dragon and a human. Mm -hmm. And that in ancient Greece... They would name a lot of things after gods, especially like Athens. Athens, Athenians were named after Athena and they 
heavily worshipped Athena, so it made sense. Mm -hmm. And so potentially if a dragon is L, it would make sense that you would call the followers the elderlings, Mm -hmm. which I gasped at and immediately told Luke to read the email because I was (laughs) so excited. Um, (laughs) But also there's a potential that then like Ida and L together or L and Ada, Ida. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I cannot speak. Depends on how you pronounce it. Yeah. Aleta. It could sound. Elda. Yeah. Know. It could sound really close, especially <laughs> if you're speaking fast or with an accent potentially. Or if it gets shifted, you know, maybe yeah. it turns into elder. Yeah. Elder and then elderling. And so that's a really fun idea. Yeah. There's just a lot of different. This could have turned into elderlings or elder from L and Ida, which is a very interesting thought. And like what Emma was saying with the 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 historical examples, we get the word mercurial, for example, meaning like roguish or something that comes from the god of Mercury, Roman god of thieves, tricksters, or talks about the days of the week, for example, how... You know, uh, Thor's day turns into Thursday, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. And how we don't really spend time thinking about that in depth. We're not like, oh, yeah, praise Thor. It's Thursday. <laughs> we, <laughs> it's just Thursday. And how maybe that's how we got away from elderlings. Like, they're just elderlings. It yeah. has nothing to do with Ida and L. It was literally, like, the names of them. Yeah. <laughs> the proper names. And it became, like, the noun names of yes. what they were. Right. And it also, he also speaks a little bit on how Ida and L, like, don't even have to be real gods. It could have just been a story or a mythical mm-hmm. a mythical creation story that people believed or talked about at one point, And then it got blown up into these are for real gods and we have to pray to them. Yeah, definitely. And that's just how time works with things. But it was really, really an interesting read. So I wanted to say thank you to Nathan. Also, Nathan made me cry. So thank you for your lovely email. <laughs> And thank you, everyone who has sent pet pictures. Yes. Uh, they are all adorable. We love all of them. We hope all of your pets are prospering. And we hope you out. feed them lots of treats. Yes, lots from of treats. Us. Extra pets. You know, give them a good boy or girl from us. <laughs> yes. Emma will, would want extra, extra treats from yes. her. To try to make them like her more than me. So well, it works. Make sure you do that. So <laughs> <laughs> let them know that the treats are specifically from Emma. Yes. <laughs> and don't even mention Luke's name. It's fine. <laughs> <sighs> Thank you, everybody who reaches out. And anybody who doesn't and just thinks positively of us in your mind. We like the good vibes out there. <laughs> so Definitely. thanks for listening to us. Thank you. We look forward every week to see what you guys have to say. <laughs>